Let's go! The 4 o'clock football frenzy on Cofield and Company. Company. All right, Adam, so what do we got with uh, some rumors out there? Uh, one of the Packers media dudes uh, who's now started up something called uh, Cheesehead TV. Hagler's been around for a while with SI and uh, Bleacher Report covering the Packers. And he's saying there's some smoke around possible trade rumors with the Raiders, Darren Waller, and the Packers. And the logic is... Hey, they wanted to potentially include that in the Devontae Adams deal, but because of league rules, they couldn't. So is there anything here? Potentially. I don't think we know yet, but there's a couple of things. If you really want to start to connect some dots, it's there. The first is what you mentioned. The reports were when Devontae Adams was traded to the Raiders, that there was originally a player involved in the deal and the league rejected it and said, no, you can't do that because you can't include players that are not tagged in deals for players that are. So because Darren Waller wasn't on a tag, Devontae Adams was, no players were allowed. Now, the speculation was that it's Darren Waller. This report is saying it absolutely 100% was Darren Waller that was involved in that trade. So maybe they had already tried. Now, you can also connect the dots that the Packers, for their side, if you go back to their press conference a couple weeks ago, their pre-draft press conference, they said some things along the lines of, I think everybody's going to be very surprised by how much we improve our pass catching situation with the draft and things around the draft. And people are like, what does that mean? Does that mean you're going to trade for Debo? You're going to trade for some receiver out there. Is there something you're going to be involved in? So whether it's through the two first round picks or making a trade for somebody that was kind of out there. Now, for those that are wondering why on earth would the Raiders trade Darren Waller? They shouldn't like, it's kind of crazy, but Darren Waller is drastically underpaid, which for the Raiders, good. Like, you've got right. you've got this guy in a deal that is very, very team-friendly. He's got two years left on the deal. There's no reason to do that. But Darren Waller did recently change agents. It's one of the, it's why if you go back and listen to the very beginning of the show, and I mentioned Rich Paul going to Brooklyn to advocate for Ben Simmons, I said Darren Waller's agent went to Brooklyn. That, you know, he is part of Clutch Sports now. He has a new agency. You don't change agents like that unless you're trying to get a new deal, right? I mean, it doesn't it wouldn't make sense otherwise. So he does want a new deal. He should want a new deal. The Raiders should want him to play on the deal he's on. Like both sides should be right. So Darren Waller deserves a drastic raise. The Raiders don't really seem like they're in a, in the spot to give it to him right now. Um, so th- there's smoke here. Will anything happen? Who knows? But I don't think it should be completely shocking that something could potentially happen. Now, every team in the league should be calling about Darren Waller. Every single team should be like, wait, he's available? We'll we'll talk we'll talk to you about him. We'll we'll take him. And the Raiders should be getting a massive deal if they are moving on. Now the Raiders should just say, No, you're under contract, you're playing for you're playing on this deal. But we know that's not always how things work in the NFL, especially now where players have power as they should. So it's it's certainly a, a situation to monitor. And we'll see um, just for, you know, going back and looking, my first mock draft that I put out did have Darren Waller being traded. I remember that. And people were very, very mad. But there's a reason that I did that. It's certainly a possibility. I wouldn't do it. But you have to be prepared for it. 
We'll hit some of the highlights of the UNLV spring showcase. The football spring showcase in the five o'clock hour. We'll talk about Harrison Bailey against Doug Brumfield against Cameron Friel. That's the race for the starting quarterback job. But uh, UNLV did some more recruiting over the weekend. Well, they're doing recruiting all the time because I think, as we've told you, um, the way Marcus Arroyo looks recruiting now is that there's not just an early signing period and a late signing period. There's three signing periods. There's early, late, and then there's spring huh. and. They're starting to be as productive in the uh, in the spring as they were in the fall and you know winter, where if you remember, we told you they could they could bring in upwards. This was kind of anticipating a good number of players going into the transfer portal that they could be looking at numbers of bringing in like 28, 29, 30, 31 guys, right? So they came out of the the fall and the winter signing with only seventeen. Okay, well, what are they waiting on? So at the spring game. On Saturday, Adam, uh, there were a couple of big dudes on the sideline, a couple of guys visiting, uh, Aiden Dobbins, a running back from Louisville, and defensive end linebacker Elijah Shelton from Utah State, Connie Utah. He actually transferred from Utah State to Utah uh, right at the beginning of the year, I think back on like January 22nd, and then he's out of that, and now he's he's visiting here. Well, both guys tweeted out this morning that they have signed up, they've committed to uh, UNLV. So Shelton's a guy who was actually really productive for Utah State, 6'1", 230, another guy to play on the outside in that 3-4 defense. And then Dobbins is really interesting. Um, he's 6'3", 230. When I saw him on the sidelines, I was like, oh, because I, you know, you, you hear like, hey, they're, they're having some guys visit. I'm like, oh, that must be the defensive lineman. Huh. He's a big yeah. guy. Yeah. And, and, you know, you mentioned them being on the field. I know that there was some guys were tweeting out uh, that were on visits, like their spot in the crowd and looking around and showing, hey, this is cool, Legion Stadium, there's fans here, like this is pretty exciting. Uh, so I think that it was a good a good event. I mean, yeah. clearly they landed a couple well, of If anyone signings. wonders why they, they did the spring showcase at Allegiant, this is one of the reasons. Yeah, why, because they well, have people. Why would anybody wonder that? Right? They have people visiting, and they're like, hey, let's, let's show what your home looks like here, whether there's a big crowd or not. These are the digs. Yeah. It, I mean, it was, it was, it's certainly part of why you do that. Uh, there's no question, but that is their stadium. They wanted to get out on the field for one thing. They also got to use the turf. It looked like so. Um, that was nice. Uh, but yeah, it, it was. It's. It's. Those are why you do these events. That's why, and that's also why fans matter, right? Like a lot of times we're like, "Well, I'll go when they're good." Well, part of getting the program there is being yeah. a fan and supporting them to get them to that point. And when you see fans, there was, you know, it wasn't. Sold out, but I, there was a good. I saw some photos. There's some. There's some people there's there. The one, the one side had some fans. Sure. Um, so yeah, Dobbins a running back, Shelton linebacker, you know, outside linebacker, defensive end. They're both in. So now they've added, a, in addition to these guys, a cornerback from Utah, another wide receiver from a smaller school, CSU Pueblo. And by the way, uh, that that guy was. Um, Nick Williams was actually at the game. Uh, so was the uh, Utah transfer. They've also added a Utah State defensive back. They've added another defensive back from Division Two and a kid from Limestone. I, I, didn't, I had no idea where that was. Gaffney, South Carolina. Oh, South Carolina. I yeah, Chris Williams. Uh, they've added another punter to the mix, and I still think they're going to have um, – they have a linebacker. Remember I was talking about the kid last week, Chris Mole, who had the story in The Athletic about being stuck? Yeah, in the portal, so UNLV's on him, and I could still see them bringing in another running back. 
I'm intrigued by this punter. You know, that's my fascination usually. Well, you'll have a chance to do a feature. <laughs> Looking forward to that. So he's been brought into the the punter mix. So a lot more on the, the spring game or the uh, showcase coming up in the 5 o'clock hour. Okay. Now we're hearing all these rumors with the NFL and the TV package and announcers. And I saw something today like Fox right now is like, we don't have uh, someone to go on our number one team. Like We don't have a number one announced team. Right. So they might try to steal Drew Brees from NBC, which... I guess it wasn't good. He's, he's got upside. He was raw. Yeah. He was raw. They they threw him into a tough position. We found out the other day about a triple header on Christmas this coming year, and apparently now uh, Amazon wants to have a Black Friday NFL game. Yeah. Okay. Now we've gone too far. Uh, well, I know it's messing with your favorite day of it's, the year. It's the only holiday I really care about. The Christmas thing is yeah, whatever. That means I won't get to see the latest Star Wars movie watching three NFL games. But don't mess with Black Friday. I have so much to get done on Black Friday. Come on. Wasn't it Amazon Amazon's thing? Like I mean I they're know. gonna really they're gonna drive traffic to the site and they're you know what they're gonna do is put deals like all throughout the game. As you're watching, it'll pop up and be like, Do you want to order this, you know, new router? Sure. Why not? Twenty bucks? I'll take That's it. That's a good plan. I just don't want to mess with my routine. You know, I'm still one of the few people who likes going out to brick and mortar. Sure, but I think you'll incorporate this into your routine. I don't think I will. You go, not, you go shopping in the middle of the night. I'm not an online shopper. I'm not. A, I buy small stuff. I don't, I don't like. I got to see the stuff. Why are you trying to ruin I gotta this for I got to feel everybody. the specials. Don't ruin this for everyone else. I like it. Oh, okay. I enjoy it. Um, I want football. On, I, I want one game every day. Like, I don't want all the games on Sunday. Like, give me one game a day all week. That's what I want. That's how I want to watch football. You'd be like seven games on Sunday and one game every night throughout the week. That's what I'm here for. Now, I know a lot of people aren't going to like it's streaming only. And by the way, the Thursday night package this year, streaming only uh, from what I I was reading. Um, So, yeah, it looks like they might not finish this this year. But it's almost a slam. It might be done for this year. May 12th, the schedule comes out, so we'll find out. But for next year, certainly it'll be done. And I like it. I'm here. I think it's awesome. The more games, the better. The more days, the better. Give me all the football. Join the conversation on Twitter at Cofield and Co. Third pick of the first round, the Washington Redskins select Heath Schuler, quarterback, Tennessee. Patriots are now on the clock. Well, Heath Schuler, now this is the first time the Redskins, Joe, have used a number one draft pick for a quarterback since 1961, Norm Snead, who they uh, eventually traded to uh, the Philadelphia Eagles for Sonny Jurgensen. It's time for Cofield and Company's path to the draft. Oh, boy. Heath Schuler. Boy, there's some, been some bad picks, man. Path to the draft. We've been playing some of the... Uh, Number one pick low lights for all the teams we're bringing in. That was a Redskins pick. Team turned into the football team, and now they are the commanders. The guy who has been covering this team for a long time, and my God, he's aged just really poorly. Is <laughs> our buddy from the team 980 in D.C., Chris Russell. Chris, how you doing? <laughs> well, with an intro like that, who needs friends? How are you, boy? I know. Well, I, mean, I, I feel for you. Every time I see one of these headlines come down, it's a, it's a freaking nightmare covering this team. You know, as I've told, I'm sure as I've told you guys, um, 
you know, you know, like uh, covering the Capitals when they, of course, came in and beat the Vegas Gold Knights in the Stanley Cup Finals. Uh, that took years. Uh, that added years to my life because that brought some joy and some happiness to Mudville. Uh, every year covering the Washington Redskins <laughs> football team, Commanders, Walruses, Walnuts, whatever the hell they're called, takes about 10 years off your life. We used to call them Redskins years. Now, I don't know what we call them uh, because the damn team is. I think the name has changed three times since I've last been on with you guys. It's the commie I'm years. Already- yeah, it's in commie years. Uh, Adam wants to call them the Washington commies. I mean, commandos, commies, communists. I mean, you know, you could do a lot of things with them. <laughs> except, except, you know, it's it's almost like you could lead a horse to water, but you can't make them drink. Uh, yeah. you, could lead, you could lead them to water, and they wouldn't know what to do with it either. And Dan Snyder, is, uh, we dubbed him a couple of years ago the Snide Dog because I envision him just kind of being a frat dude with his hat on backwards, you know, walking around the facility, <laughs> just harassing people and being all mean and trying to flex his little muscles. The uh, It's been a rough run here for the Snide Dog. So how much – what's your balance now, Chris, in terms of actually trying to stick to talk football and then dealing mm-hmm. with all this other nonsense, especially recently the allegations of skimming from the league? Yeah, I- I mean, guys, I would say, you know, it, I mean, depending on the day, of course, you know, on, on heavier news days, i.e. all of the allegations, the, um, you know, Congress stuff, uh, uh, harassment, could double books, financial records, uh, financial improprieties, all of that stuff, you know, those are, are, are clearly heavier on certain days when there's a lot of news. On the days that there isn't a lot of news that we're forced to deal with, forced to confront with, you know, I would say on my radio show, you know, like like you guys, you guys do an afternoon drive show. I mean, I do an afternoon drive show and then, you know, like, uh, you know, some other things and, and, and then a podcast. Um, you know, we try, try to avoid it as much as we can because we know that our the, the Washington Commandos fan base, um, they, they only have so much tolerance for less of the football stuff. Uh, and, and they clearly hate Snyder. So the only interest level that they have in all of this other off-the-field stuff is, can it get rid of Snyder? And because it hasn't happened so far, many think it won't happen. Many think it'll never happen. Uh, and therefore, many just kind of roll their eyes and wash their hands of it and just go on living their lives and they don't care. Um, yet there are real things at stake here, and obviously Congre- Congress's involvement uh, makes it extra, 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 extra spicy, I guess. Uh, and it's kind of like as the stomach turns, as the world turns, whatever, by the day, uh, you know, maybe uh, another soap opera, the days of our lives. Uh, and, you know, then, oh, yeah, by the way, we try and talk about Carson Wentz and why he's a bad fit, why he's, he was a bad move, uh, and, and the upcoming draft and who they're going to take and how they're not going to be able to spend in free agency and how they're going to have to, you know, try and fulfill their roster with limited draft picks and so on and so forth. So they've got the 11th pick, and you mentioned Wentz, who's a placeholder for now. Will the organization show the discipline to not overdraft a quarterback at 11? Yeah, I, I believe very, 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 very little chance that they would do that. Now, in a different draft, i.e. last year's draft, guys, you know, um, yeah, I, I, I think if the scenario played out, I don't know if they would have been pressed into trading for Carson Wentz. Um, but if they had and there was still a Mac Jones or a Justin Fields type on the board, they might be more tempted to do that. I think they are, 
you know, and you guys know this name from being out, um, you know, in the state, uh, at, at least another Carson, Carson Strong, they visited with him on the way to USC's Pro Day about a week and a half ago. That's the only quarterback that we know that they've been connected to visit-wise, in, you know, since the Carson Wentz deal. Um, so I think they're looking to add a quarterback, but it's probably in the fifth, sixth, seventh range. And I don't think even, even with Carson Strong's knees uh, and his lack of mobility, I don't think he lasts that long. So it's more like, you know, probably a Denny Crum or a Jack Cohn or, or one of these guys. Uh, I, I would be stunned if they took, especially in this draft, a quarterback at number 11. Uh, and Ron Rivera said as much, quite honestly, today uh, on the record. He said he only liked really one of the quarterbacks, <laughs> which is why they basically panicked and made the move for Wentz. So, I mean, we know that they like to cut corners financially. Would they be cheap enough to just say, like, we need two quarterbacks of the same name to save, like, ink in the locker room? <laughs> That's a good question, Adam. <laughs> I, you know, I mean, listen, Dan doesn't have a lot of liquid cash because – it's all spent paying lawyers and bad business deals. Uh, so maybe, maybe that was, yeah, maybe that was kind of the genesis of visiting with Carson Strong. I don't know. I mean, listen, um, you know, he, he doesn't have as much liquid cash for a multi bazillionaire, you know, like a Stan Kroenke, but he's still got Jerry Jones, but he's still got plenty of cash hanging around. I don't think we're quite at that level yet, but a lot of fans are frustrated around here that, you know, with Ron, you know, because he runs the show, Rivera, um, that they didn't spend in free agency. They did nothing in free agency outside of bringing in Andrew Norwell, who used to be in Carolina, and basically he offset the loss of Brandon Sheriff and Eric Flowers, uh, the two guards. So, and you guys know, you know, with the now Vegas Raiders, um, you know, if you don't have a strong offensive line, and, and certainly, you know, Vegas has had their issues, let's call it that, uh, and some questionable draft picks, you know, you, you, you find yourself basically exposing that franchise-type quarterback, um, whether he is or not, Wentz, um, and he's not, um, but you find you wind up exposing him, and then all of a sudden you go from, oh, he could be pretty good, to, ooh, he, he, he's <laughs> awful if you don't have anybody to protect for him. So that's a big issue right now. And the fact that they didn't go out and add anybody new to a seven-win team outside of Wentz is another problem. So there's a couple of players that I have you know, been targeting and have my eye on for Washington. Um, one would certainly be a wide receiver. Mm-hmm. Will, they, will they really need one? Because do they need to replace Terry McLaurin or will he get a deal? Uh, I think Terry will get a deal. I think it'll be, I and I already think it's harder than they thought it was going to be because of the way the market's exploded, and, you know, because Terry's got all the leverage, and they have none. <laughs> um, so, but I do think they will get a deal at some point, uh, and I'm going to say it's going to be before the trade deadline, which is in, what, mid-October or late October, uh, I don't know if it's going to come before training camp of the season. They'll try, but I don't know if it'll happen. So, yes, they, they are in the market for a receiver, whether that's first or second round, and they've visited you know, with a ton of receivers, but, you know, the Ohio State guys, Olave and Garrett Wilson. Uh, you know, they really like USC's Drake London, who uh, a lot of West Coast fans you know, are, are more than familiar with. Injury cut short, ankle injury. Uh, last year, all sorts of instability at quarterback, but a big body receiver, you know, 50-50 catch guy, fade, back shoulder, back line of the end zone. 
you know, good body control, uses his body shield to make up for his lack of absolute, pure, unadulterated speed. Uh, some people think he's far and above everyone else on their board. I don't know if I'm willing to say that, but I, I feel fairly comfortable that he's number one in that position group on their board. My argument is if you're at 11 and all of those guys, the Ohio State guys, uh, Jamison Williams, uh, Traylon Burks, who's definitely going to be there, if all those guys are sitting there at 11, or most of them, if not all of them, uh, why, why do you you take a receiver at number 11? I mean, you, you, to me, you trade back, or you take somebody else, because the likelihood is by the time you come back around in the second round at 47, you know, one of the guys like Christian Watson from North Dakota State or Somebody like that is going to be available in all likelihood, again, if you bypass on one at number 11. So you try and trade down, which nobody apparently wants to trade up, but, oh, who knows, if one of the quarterbacks is available, maybe you can suck, you know, and, and they will, and maybe all of them will be available. Maybe then you can sucker a team in the teens or Pittsburgh at 20, um, you know, to come up and, and, and try and trade up for a quarterback. So, you know, again, of course, a lot of it depends on what happens Thursday night in the first 10 picks, and then we can talk about everything else. But I, I know we can't wait until the first 10 picks to, to know exactly what we're going to do to have all these scenarios play out in our mind, but I mean, that's kind of what we're looking at. And just so people are aware, Terry McLaurin, just one year left on the deal at, like, what, $2.5 million, something in that range, and the market projection from Spotrack, which has been pretty much on this for all these players – Four years, ninety-eight million, Ooh. so twenty-five, twenty-four yeah, and a really? half million a year. Wow! Yeah. Which, yeah, that's what I mean because Terry's put up really good numbers with really crappy quarterbacks, and <laughs> you know that's the best way I could say it, right? I mean, everyone that they brought in here is a jack in the box, you know. <laughs> I mean, um, so you know, I, I mean, and and the way again, the, the, because the market has exploded as such. I think it's made things a lot more complicated. They were not expecting it, much like I don't think the rest of the NFL was expecting, you know, of course, Tyree Kill to get traded, sign a, a bombastic new deal. You guys, of course, made, uh, you know, the huge deal for Devontae Adams, which threw everything a little bit. You know, but those guys are in a different level than Terry. But Terry's not that far behind. It's not like night and day between them. It, it's, it's Tyree Kill and Devontae Adams. And then the next tier down is Terry McLaurin. And if he had a good, even a very good quarterback or a great quarterback, he could easily, easily, um, you know, be in that Tyree Kill, Devontae Adams neighborhood one day if, if he ever gets a good quarterback. And again, I say if because nobody around here is convinced that Carson Wentz is that guy. Can he be that guy at times? Sure. Is he that guy all the time? Uh, that's obviously the question. Chris Russell. The Team 980 in D.C. Let's close on this one. I actually just wanted to get your take on some general NFL news. Actually, uh, whispers out this way that Darren Waller could actually be moved potentially from the Raiders to the Packers. What do you think? Huh. I didn't hear that one. I yeah. just got uh, I just got back in from out of town. So um, just it's just developing. You know, it's just developing in the last hour or so. And the uh, okay. you know the thought is on the Raiders side with Adams in the. Floor, you know, Derek Carr, at least for one more year with $32 million guaranteed, when they have to re-up Waller and Renfro, can they do both? Right, right. Well, that makes sense, and you want to trade guys before you get to a point of no return in terms of the compensation or when you have to franchise them or when you get no compensation other than a third-round compensatory pick. So that makes some sense. Um, 
Tanyan is coming off of a torn ACL. I'm not sure if he's a RFA or a UFA up in Green Bay. I, I want to say he's a UFA. I could be wrong on that. But either way, coming off of a torn ACL, and he was one of AR's best weapons two years ago, so that would make a whole lot of sense if Waller can you know, go there. Now, of course, that hurts what the Raiders are trying to do. And if we yeah. look at what Josh McDaniels ran in New England, I mean, who was more tight end centric than, well, Josh McDaniels and Tom Brady and that New England offense. So that, that's kind of curious. But, uh, again, when you have Renfro, Renfro coming up, and we know he can run every route in the world. Um, and I kept trying to tell Washington fans that before the December matchup, and nobody wanted to hear it because <laughs> they just didn't know enough about him. Uh, and, of course, the money now sunk into both Carr and uh, like you said, Devontae Adams, you can't pay everybody, right, guys? So, yep. yeah, that I understand that. That makes that that's an interesting fit. That makes some sense. I can see that. Yeah. Well, let's see what develops. That could be the biggest deal of the day on uh, Wednesday or Thursday, and we'll see what happens with Debo Samuel and and uh, Baker Mayfield as well. So, Chris, we appreciate it. We know you have a real busy week with the draft coming up. Thanks for the time, man. Fellas, always good to be back home with you guys. Uh, sorry things didn't work uh, exactly out for the Vegas Golden Knights so far this year. Um, <laughs> you know, we'll, we'll see what happens with Ovechkin and uh, and his shoulder here. Uh, but uh, always good to be on with you and go Raiders and uh, uh, send that, send my uh, regards to everybody in Sin City. Love you guys. There he is, Chris Russell, one of the great officials in the history of pickup basketball in Las Vegas. <laughs> one of your great memories. Yeah, we played three-on-three, three and he decided to officiate the three-on-three three game by just standing in the lane. Well, he got tired. Clogging traffic. He's a big guy. He got tired, sure. and he decided to officiate. But, you know, if you're going to be an official in, like, a three-on-three three game, you really got to kind of stand outside. You can't. He essentially was, <laughs> he was setting he's picks on people. Like he's, just, he's not. He's just not swift enough. He's not slick enough to get the hell out of the way. Uh, giveaway time, 364-1100, 364-1100. One one zero zero. We got tickets to go see the cult. How cool is that? I've seen them. Really, really good. Uh, Ticketmaster.com is where you can get your own tickets. May eighth, May eighth, May eighth is the show at House of Blues. It's the cult in town, right here in Las Vegas. Caller seven right now. Ari's at the ticket window. Pick him up. Three six four eleven hundred. Cofield and Company will be back in minutes right here on ESPN Las Vegas. This young man, he's a senior at the University of Oregon and was at the large party this morning. Honestly, we got there just you could hear the music bumping from down the street. You got there. There are no oceans in Eugene, but there was a sea of people that was just heads, 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 heads. There's music going bum, 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 bum. You know what I'm saying? There's people all around. There's people up. There's people down. If you got on a balcony, you were supreme. Oh. Sounds like he had a good time. You're live with the Fat Pack on Cofield and Company. Who was dude I witnessed at daytime Oregon campus party? Yeah, there was a party that raged out of control on campus. A 10 a.m. party? Sure, why not? Which is, okay, let's go. They left a mess. And I'm sure the news crew went out. They're like, how are we going to do a story on this? This is ridiculous. It's a party. And then they found absolute pure gold. Right. Um, there were accusations that the uh, some of the party guards were throwing items at police. Um, and this gentleman disputed them, which was he said trusted source. The only things being thrown were allegations. Trusted source. <laughs> I love this kid. He's the best, and he knew like he knew obviously he was being ridiculous. He wanted to play it up. He clearly envisioned himself being viral. And good job. You got there. I like it.
Why not? Why not play? You know, why are you going to play around? You get that TV time, that video time. Let's do it. You're going to do a serious interview about a party on campus? Come on. I love this kid. I'm sure. I I think he was like a ninth year junior. He did look old, didn't he? Yeah. He's like Van Wilder. Great. Rough weekend for Yankee fans. Didn't look look too good. Yeah. I loved his uh, his rendition there. (laughs) Uh, Rough weekend for Yankee fans uh, trying to brutalize. Multiple Cleveland Guardian players. And then maybe ruining the reputation of all state, as they'll call it there, area fans, is some jabroni caught dipping his hot dog in beer. But you know what? I may retract the word or the description as a jabroni. Go. I don't know. Genius? Well... Uh, at New York, Nico was the one who got this video and says, arrest this man. <laughs> I don't, I don't understand. Seems excessive. Beer, hot dog, dip the dog, chomp away. But I guess the real question, because, you know, I'm a, I can't even, I, it, it, we've got to the point in society, you can't even say this. Cancel culture being what it is. I'm a ketchup guy. On a hot dog? Uh, it doesn't. He has it, nothing. There's. It looks like a plain dog. Yeah, I guess mustard going into the beer would be interesting. Or yeah, ketchup get, going into the beer would be kind of. You get your beer all condimenty. Uh, I mean, people cook hot dogs in beer. Sure. I, I don't like. I don't have a huge problem with it. I just like. I actually. Here's another thing. I don't. I don't like hot dogs. I, love I hot like. Dogs. I like the ketchup. Yeah. And the like the relish and the pickles. I actually, I will say that oftentimes I do like the bun and all the other toppings more than the dog. Sure. I had a good dog this weekend. I had some good beef hot dogs. It's yeah. good stuff. But I like the other stuff more than I like the hot dogs. So this this is, to me, this is bad. But I don't, I, I do wonder if people think it's worse to dip in beer or to put ketchup. Because ketchup seems to be the ultimate thin to people. I'm not going to judge. Okay. I hear a lot. I hear people judge on the whole the whole ketchup on hot dog thing. You do what you want. I just I don't like mustard. I love mustard. I'm not a you mustard guy. You know that. What are you uh, ketchup and mustard? No, I don't. I'm not a ketchup guy. Never liked it. Uh, my other issue here is my thriftiness. If I'm going to pay, and I assume Yankee Stadium is much cheaper than the Fortress, but you know if that over the Fortress and you know whatever it is, twenty three dollar beer, um, I'm drinking the beer. I'm not putting a hot dog in it. I'm not warming it up at all. Like I'm, I'm drinking it, and I'm drinking it while it's cold. It's gonna happen fast. Sure, but I well, I, first of all, you're not putting a lot of beer on there, and then I think once you make the other the counter argument, like if you're gonna buy a beer, you want to get you want to get on everything, hmm. maximize it. So I want okay. it with my hot dog and when I'm sipping it. And it's not like you're you're not going through like your whole beer. You just put, get a little bit of beer on each bite. I think it's okay from that perspective. This to me would have made more sense if he was eating five or six hot dogs and he was kind of going Kobayashi style. Yeah, for like sure. He was trying to wet the bun, but he doesn't really leave it in very long to get the bun wet. It's not an eating contest. It looks like he's got just one hot dog and a good sized beer. Well, so, also, but, but let him, you know, arrest this man because he, do what he wants. Here's the thing: like I think if you're a lot of people, if you're going dipping your hot dog in beer, you're probably doing it like for somebody. Like, ah, oh, look at me, I'm doing this. Not this guy. No, he was just sitting he was by, himself. by himself. <laughs> Minding his own business. <laughs> and then snooping cameras, these stupid phones. You can't do anything with someone spying on you. But did you see how many people did it after him, though? It's like a whole viral thing now. Like on TikTok, on 
you know, on Instagram, people are posting videos of themselves now going with their friends and dipping all their hot dogs in beer. All right. I might do it tonight. Okay. You're going to post it? Ah, some turkey franks. What do I do? Do I barbecue? Why don't you go live? Do I boil them? Go do live. Do I steam them? <laughs> go live and do it. Do I air fry them? I think air fry. Really? Air fry, yeah. That's, that's my if, last choice. If, if you're going to do social media, that's air fryer is the, the chosen method of cooking on social media. Steaming them would be real dangerous because you can get the bun all kind of soggy and smushy, and then you put that in a beer. Mean. There's just there's just bun remnants. The only everywhere. Way, the only way I know how to make a hot dog and I ever have is microwave, and it's not good. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. Kyrie, to that point, do you feel like the hostility that you get still? Let's not let's not focus on this. Like, ask me questions about the game. Like, it's not about the fans. The fans are playing from a basketball standpoint. Yeah, you feel like the hostility you get. There's no hostility, bro. It's basketball. Company's eye on sports betting with John Von Tobel. Kyrie Irving is consistent, man, because I generally have no idea what he's talking about. Because within a sentence, he contradicts himself. Wait, there's no hostility. That was Nick Ferdell, who's been covering the Nets all year with ESPN.com. There's no, it's no hostility. Huh? It's just the NBA. What does that mean? <laughs> I mean, there was a lot of middle fingers being traded and screams and insults. It seemed like there was some hostility. It's all in good fun. Sure, it's all in good fun. Uh, so far. Nets not having fun. They're down in the second. Let's break down the NBA. Let's break down betting. Let's look at what's happened at the top of the NFL draft, where apparently there's a new favorite to be the number one pick. JVT is with us. John Von Tobel. Hey, John. What's going on, guys? Uh, yeah, it's not really going well for the Nets. They tied it up, and yeah, they let it get away a little bit right now. Why is this series falling apart for them? I think it's a lot of things. I think Boston defensively deserves a ton of credit. I mean, they, since they have, and I know Robert Williams wasn't on the floor for majority of this season or the series, uh, but their defensive shift back when they flipped around the assignments for Robert Williams uh, ever since then, how well they've been playing, the fact that they have multiple six, seven wings who are stout and sturdy, they can throw uh, at Kevin Durant whenever he's trying to come off a screen for his patented little mid range shot. Um, how just good Jason Tatum is in the lack of depth for Brooklyn. I think all of those things have come together to a 3-0 series lead here for Boston. So I was actually just reading a tweet, and I wanted to get your thought on it. Uh, somebody said there's a reasonable chance Kyrie's entire career in terms of being a winner, pl- winning player is based simply on one three-game finals bender. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. Kyrie's weird because like, I think if you – like the perception of Kyrie – as a player comes from, I think, what we know he can be, right? Like you talk about that that stretch in the finals, the game-winning shot. You know, the peaks of Kyrie when you're talking about his highlights and who he is, like those are really high. He, he's an extremely skilled offensive player. But like tying into that, Adam, like there's like this debate now on NBA Twitter where all of a sudden these Kyrie stands are fighting against the notion that Russell Westbrook has had a better career than him. Like, he has. (laughs) Russell Westbrook has had uh, a much better career than Kyrie Irving has had because he has played a lot of games. He has been a successful NBA player, a high-end NBA player, for a majority of his career. And There's a lot of long seasons in there and MVP, too. So I think you're right. Like, there's a perception of Kyrie that he's – I don't want to say that he's better than he is because we know how good he is. But in terms of, like, where he stands and, like, the other players of his ilk – you know, he should be a lot farther down the list than some people give him credit for because we just, he's been in wildly inconsistent with his availability and even more. What is going on with Durant, though? 
I, I think it's a minutes thing. Like if you guys have noticed since he's come back from the injury, he's averaging over 40 minutes a game. You know, I think it's uh, it's seven out of the last eight or eight out of the last nine. He's played 42 minutes or more per game. Uh, it's ju- I think it's just a workload thing. You know, he is at times when especially in Kyrie, I mean, the last two games he scored a total of 26 points. He's like the lone guy, the lone um, shot creator, playmaker who can really get his own bucket outside of Kyrie Irving. And when Irving's not performing, they're in trouble. So I think next year, like I think things will look a lot better. Ben Simmons in the fold, you would think. Uh, Joe Harris back from injury. His absence doesn't really – it falls on deaf ears. Like not a lot of people realize Joe Harris not being there is really important. Joe Harris is a really good defender, an amazing shooter. That would help immensely with him being out there on the floor. But I think it's kind of like it's a minutes thing and not to take away credit from Boston. Because as I said, every time, if they're they're switching everything and any time, whoever it is, if it's Smart, if it's Williams, if it's Tatum, if it's Brown, they're just coming right into his jersey. They're getting physical with him. They're not allowing him to give him a lot of space when he launches for his jumpers. They, they deserve a ton of credit too. But I think his minutes are a big deal, man. Like he To play well over 40 minutes per game for over a month now, it's a really big task. So when we look at the NBA playoffs as a whole uh, – Seems to be like I think you were pointing out the home teams have been overvalued a little bit in the market. Yeah, I like this kind of stuff. Like this is the fun stuff. So if you if um, if you were keeping track in the regular season, home court it actually equated to being just over one and a half points in terms of its worth. And I know a lot of the times in football, uh, the simple way to put it is three points. Uh, and the same thing with the NBA. A lot of people factor in it. home court is three points. But as we know in football, we've talked about it a lot, and it's the same thing now in the NBA. Home court in the regular season hasn't been worth anything. This year, just above one and a half points. And what we're finding, and this is a, a very small sample size, um, but through the postseason, Adam, if you uh, use all these results, home court, again, is worth just about a point. And, but when you're looking at some of these numbers and the way that the books are equating home court, they have ratcheted up home court to be worth three points in the postseason. It's why for games two and three for this Boston-Brooklyn series, for example, game two, Boston closes as a three-point, a three-and-a-half-point favorite. Game three, the Brooklyn Nets are a three-point favorite, right? It's just that that three, that six-point swing, three three points for home court. But it's it's proving to be too much. Higher-seeded teams in games three and four, meaning that they're on the road uh, coming into this game between Boston and Brooklyn, ten and five against the spread. It's a really good indicator that the markets are overvaluing home court. These these lesser teams, these lower-seeded teams, when they're back at home, are catching fewer points than they really should be. So it's a small sample size. You always want to have larger swaths of data to, to come to any conclusion. But it's interesting to track as you move forward because this is one of the lowest years of the regular season that I've kept track of, at least on a day-to-day basis, in terms of home court. And so far, it has translated over to the NBA postseason, and it's been pretty interesting to follow. John Von Tobel's with us on Cofield and Company, VSIN, Monday to Friday show, 1 o'clock. He's uh, back with the company doing shows here and there. He'll be on later in the week with myself as we'll be uh, live first day at Silver Sevens at Flamingo and Paradise. All right. Well, the number one pick odds changed a lot over the weekend. I don't know if you were able to get action uh, outside of Nevada. Uh, you can explain what's going on in Nevada in terms of uh, when draft props are posted. But right now, the number has completely shifted. Uh, Hutchinson is not the favorite to be the number one pick anymore. Yeah, so uh, today, actually, you saw the Vegas books finally get in the, get in the gear and post the post the NBA, NFL draft props. So uh, luckily, it'll be here all the way through the first pick. It won't. Uh, they have to take it off 24 hours before uh, the, uh, the <laughs> before the event. Yeah, so so it's remember kind of that. Wednesday, it comes down. 
Yes. Uh, and I believe it's specified to uh, specific player props, like, you know, the first overall pick, Aiden Hutchinson draft position props, all of those stuff. But it'll be a, a vast majority will be down, if not all of them, by the time we get to the event on Thursday. But yeah, uh, Trayvon Walker is now the odds on favorite to go number one. Um, if you, depending on where you read your get your rumors from and all of that stuff, there seems to be some sort of split in the Jaguars front office uh, that there's a really good chunk on the GM side that wants Walker that uh, that want Walker, but there's others, uh, namely the owners potentially, who want Hutchison, who view him as a safe pick. Um, so we've seen the odd shift now, and Trayvon Walker becomes the third guy to be favored to go first overall, and the second to be an odds-on favorite to go first overall. Uh, I mean, I think this is fascinating for multiple reasons. Obviously, just the move itself. But if you tie in the sports betting aspect of it, guys, where you have the books out here in Las Vegas, really tentative in terms of putting stuff up. But I believe this to be one of the most wide open drafts that we really know nothing about that we've seen in recent years, especially since they've hung up odds on this thing. Uh, I think this could be chaos for betters. I think it could be actually potentially good day uh, for bookmakers as well, because I think there's a bunch of guys at similar positions like defensive end or wide receiver who grade out similarly. And I think it's going to be really hard to track down unless you get the actual information where any of these guys are going. So I know one of the things um, that you were also discussing is like following movements that start here in Vegas with the draft being in Vegas and everybody being around, all the players, all the people around them, everybody's here right now. Um, and, and I do want to give this little side, like even they don't always know, right? right. Because here, and just on, on a general, and I won't get into specifics about it, Kayvon Thibodeau's people have let everyone in town know that he's going number two to the Lions. Like, it's done. He's, he's going to the Lions. He's playing for the Lions. But I think that changes if the Jaguars take Walker. Like, I think then the Lions are like, well, we didn't know Hutchinson was available. We might take Hutchinson. So even the, even the guys don't know. Like, the draft is so unpredictable and so weird. Anything can happen. I like that. I just bet Kayvon, I have, I just bet Thibodeau under three and a half, or excuse me, over, no, under three and a half. I always get that mixed up. Under three go. and a half. Uh, at plus 140. So I, I like to hear that. That's good. <laughs> That's good. But I mean, like, you know, even if there is like quote unquote inside information or people that think they know what's going on, like the, it is going to be really tough to um, to really take advantage of that because there is so much unpredictability and things can change so much between now and the time the draft actually happens. Yeah, and that's why I'm interested, Adam, to like track like the this year if there's any like big line moves coming out of like originating in Las Vegas shops and seeing how accurate they would be if there are any. Uh, by the time we get uh, to the draft on Thursday, because I know you know we were out late night on on uh, what's it called on Saturday night, and we were out there at the Long Bar and talking to Derek Stevens about how how many people are out here and how many people think they know about things that are going on <laughs> yeah. right and betting on this thing. So uh, it'll be pretty interesting now that it's in our backyard. Aiden Hutchinson, number two pick, minus one thirty. It, it's in. You bet it. Yes. You wait, wait. Number two pick. You laid a price. Oh yeah. <laughs> I mean, you could have bet that at a plus price like a day. What ago. do you want me to do? I can't. I can't. I can't do anything. Because well, here's I didn't bet it three days ago. Though, I got to do something. But here's I the thing. Bet. I mean, there's and this is the great thing about drafts and whatnot and, yeah. and all these rumors. Now the rumor is that he could be falling Hutchinson. Yeah. Because like, like Adam said, you know, Thibodeau's up there. Maybe he's the guy that goes number two. And maybe this whole time, even though he was odds on favorite at one point, he's actually going fifth. So you're telling me by tomorrow morning, the minus I just bet will probably be a small plus. Although, although to be just to jump in, John, because you're right, like those things can happen. But we did just have John McClain on, who was really plugged in in Houston, and he said if Walker goes one and Thibodeau goes two, Houston will run to the podium to take to take Aiden Hutchinson. Well, that's a lie because we know these teams never run. There's sure. a, Trevor, the, the Jags took their entire play <laughs> clock to draft Trevor Lawrence last year is ridiculous. Um, 
But no, and I, I think Adam really, because it comes down to for me, like why I bet Thibodeau under the under the three and a half. I think the first three picks in whatever order you want to do are the edge rushers. Yep. I just I, I think it's a position of need. We have seen that now, right? The edge there's when you're talking about positional value, especially defensively, you know, edge rushers have a very high value in today's national football league, especially good ones. And all three teams really need an edge rusher and a dominant one at that. I just think it makes sense in whatever order you want to place them. I think all three of those guys are gone by the time we get to number four. I just bet Hutchinson to go fourth, eighteen to one. Okay, you got to calm down. I'm right? covering up. What? I got to make money back. <laughs> Last week we started talking about the freaking nights and all that. John, we got to run. We're up against it. <laughs> Sorry, very abrupt goodbye. We'll see you, buddy. Okay, see you. <laughs>